wait a second, this isn't your grandma's cancer show. Not your grandma's cancer show. Hi, I'm Tatum Duroc, and this is Not Your Grandma's Cancer Show, and today we are delving into guilt. It's one of those quite surprising feelings that can have a lot of power. I think of it a little bit like a shapeshifter of an emotion. So if I think of a room, I think of guilt sometimes as lurking around the edges, in the back of the drawers, in the cupboards, in those dark corners, and it just saps little bits of energy and joy out of situations. And then at other times, it fills the entire room and fills it so much that we feel completely alone. It can stop us from reaching out and connecting to other people and sometimes even stop us from looking after ourselves. So I think this is a really important subject and I'm so glad that I've got three guests joining me today sharing their experiences with lots of different types of guilt. We've got Naveen who's in his 40s and he has experienced guilt getting in the way of playing with his children and um, his feelings about being a father and a husband and a businessman. And um, Mickey is in her 20s, Mickey Phipps, and she felt guilt about her mother being at her original appointment where she was diagnosed. And right beside me is Daniela, who has experienced the, the guilt sandwich of, on the one hand, sometimes needing some physical assistance, and on the other hand, being told that she looks too good and too well. So, Danielle, I'm so excited that you're here and, um, and, and chatting about this today. Um, can I ask what you were doing in your life when you were diagnosed? What was happening? I think I was uh, living a pretty normal 40-year-old, 41-year-old, well, 41-year-old life. Um, going out, socialising with friends, family, working. Um, I probably wasn't looking after myself as much as I should in terms of going to the gym and, and things like that. But that was meant to be my plan for this year. <laughs> but uh, the diagnosis kind of got in the, in the way of that. But, and when were you diagnosed? Um, very end of March. So it happened in quite a, a whirlwind. So I was diagnosed... Um, had a colonoscopy mid-March. It was confirmed it was bowel cancer at the end of March. And then I literally had um, surgery to remove the cancer on the 2nd of April. And so it was quite a... Within um, three weeks, I was went from sort of initial procedure to, to surgery. So it was quite a... <laughs> yeah, quite, <laughs> quite quick. Quite quick. Yeah. And, and we're only in August now. Yeah. So, so, so it's been quite very recent. a whirlwind for you. Yeah. And had when would you say that you experienced kind of the first inklings of feeling guilty? Um, actually, on the day of um, the colonoscopy, mm-hmm. um, when I the surgeon was uh, who he ended up being my surgeon who did the colonoscopy, he, but he was amazing. He was very gentle, and he could see the tumor straighter away. Um, and afterwards, although we needed to have uh, the biopsy results, etc. He did say, from experience and from the feel of the biopsies and, and the look of the tumour, he said, look, I think you do have cancer. Um, and that, 
I felt really bad for my sister because she was with me. Mm. Um, and I was under the impression that um, I had was going to be diagnosed with inflammatory bowel disease because that was what the doctors, the previous consultant I'd seen, all and all of my symptoms sort of initially indicated. I had no weight loss um, or any, you know, some, some of the typical sort of cancer symptoms. And actually one of the consultants I originally saw um, actually said, look, you don't have cancer. So he wouldn't discuss any of the sort of, he didn't, th- I wanted to sort of ask him about what do you think it could be in terms right. of a treatment for inflammatory bowel disease, etc. And he was quite curt and sort of said, look, let's not jump to any conclusions. You don't have cancer or anything, so let's just wait and see what the... Colonoscopy. So that must have been so shocking then. Yeah, and actually I was very angry and that's why I um, I then chose my the person that had actually done my colonoscopy to look after my treatment going forward okay. because he actually was miles apart from the previous person that yeah. I'd, I'd seen. And actually I felt very angry because, you know, I had then sort of been telling everybody, you know, look, I don't have cancer, you know, right. it's nothing, you know, life-threatening or, you know, it's nothing too serious because this is what everybody has told me. And he mm-hmm. was quite adamant, like dismissive, sort of saying, look, you don't have cancer or anything, so let's not... So kind of what I hear is a little bit of a sense of responsibility for you passing on in good faith um, information that had come from a doctor, but then also feeling because that information hadn't been correct and that you had brought your sister, how did that sense of responsibility, did you start to feel guilty about? I felt felt sad for my sister because, you know, she, because you have to have sedation, like Mm -hmm. you have to have somebody to take you home. And I felt really responsible that I had put her in a situation that was going to produce such news and it wasn't meant to be like that and I kind of um whilst it was a shock for me I kind of felt responsibility that I put her in Mm. that situation and also that then we then had to tell my mum and I kind of felt responsible again because I'd kind of and also because I'd been told had been so dismissive that it could even be cancer that then I kind of felt responsible that I'd set really unrealistic or wrong expectations because Mm -hmm. then I was having to deliver the news that I did have um, cancer Um, and in some ways that maybe I should have known and it so I I just felt um, I felt a lot of guilt having to pass that message on to my family especially when I'd been so you know um, adamant (laughs) that it definitely wasn't going to be that diagnosis. And how did that sense of guilt make you feel? Because I know guilt is an emotion, but sometimes it kind of drags other things into there. So sometimes like it can drag a sense of shame or it can drag, you know, a sense of anger or frustration or other things into there. Or it can kind of make us want to push away from other people. And I was just wondering for you, like when you felt guilty, like how how did you how did you know it was there and, and was there anything else attached to it? I think in that particular instance, um, I just wanted to hide in a corner um, Mm. because um, a lot of sort of things were going through my mind and like, how could this have happened and how couldn't I have known? And, um, you know, and then the sort of the flood of, you know, what I have done to my family in in terms of 
this and um and I was responsible for for their pain and and worry and so um I I withdrew quite a a lot into myself because I one I was in shock um but also I think it just um it felt like a burden on my shoulders that I had placed on them as well mm. and that felt quite a heavy um uh, sort of weight that had been that had been put on me yeah I think a lot of people can relate to that wanting to protect other people around you and almost that the guilt is coming from a place a real place of love yeah um and how did your family or your friends or the people around you um deal with kind of did they feel a sense of retreat or were you able to be present enough but kind of internally withdraw I um my family is very close um and so um, my immediate family I was in constant contact with and my uh, mum came to stay with me for um over three months to sort of help me um but for the extended family and again with extended friends and etc um that's when I I think I did withdraw and I sort of said you know that I don't want an influx of messages and sort of goodwill and partly I think that was self-protection um that I didn't want to face what I was going through because I was still in shock basically with the diagnosis but I just um I just I just couldn't cope with, I think, when you see it in writing and people sort of wishing you well, it was a constant acknowledgement of what I was having to go through. And Mm. I could cope with that with my very close family. But I just, um, we have a large family as well and and I have a large group of friends and also my work colleagues. And I just couldn't cope um, emotionally with, the the messages and um and I think just the constant reinforcement of this is what you're going through I was Mm. like I know I have to deal with this but I just um I just couldn't cope with um the goodwill in 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 some ways you know I I can relate to that in that I was also very lucky that I I had an influx of well wishes and I couldn't respond Mm. and I couldn't quite understand why, but I felt guilt around. I probably there's actually probably still guilt around messages that I should have responded to. And I realized that every time I text somebody that's um, that has cancer and they respond back to me straight away, I feel this like hit of like oh my god I was a terrible person and I didn't do that and how are they able to do that and it can be really um you know it can be in the short term but it can also linger even after the fact um and it's really hard to it's quite intangible to relay that sense of overwhelmed like you're really glad that people are are thinking of you but it's like your resources are so low and that pressure to respond or feel a certain way, um, maybe when you're feeling numb or f- feeling something different, can very easily turn into guilt. And I think one of the emotions well, you know, I had with 
a friend, bless her, when I told her, she sort of responded back because it was a shock. She was like, oh, my God, I just burst into tears. And and then I felt guilty that I just made right. her cry. And then you you then sort of have to reassure them that it's mm-hmm. OK and that you're OK. And then you end up sort of playing everything that you're going through down because mm-hmm. you don't then want them to get more upset and then worry and et cetera. And I just ended up being like, I can't keep doing this because it's sort of you end up in like a ping pong of emotions of this is this is what's happening then they get upset and they worry and then you have to reassure them so that you don't feel bad that you've now just upset them and i and and actually my close family were were great at sort of shielding me from a lot of that because i sort of said to them i know everybody loves me and cares and i know they they're coming from a really great place but it's me that can't deal with it it's mm. not um it's not that I don't appreciate it or I don't want it. And actually, the messages all came through to me, but just not directly. And that was the way that I was able to to cope with it. And had you experienced guilt before this? I did with grief. Um, my father, unfortunately, passed away due to cancer um, just over three years ago. And again, I never thought through grief guilt would be the key emotion as the same mm. with this. I think it comes and sort of slaps you in the face in a real shocking way. And I had a, you know, I loved my father dearly and I had a great relationship with him, but I think, and I think this is quite a common uh, emotion with grief as well, that, you know, you think of, I didn't buy him a present when I was 10 that year and, you know, I wish I'd done more trips with him out and I wish I'd said, I, you know, it's sort of, you just you know, things that you had, you know, totally forgotten at the back mm-hmm. of your mind suddenly reappear and um, are painful. Um, and it's that, yeah, so that was the... And that's how I think I was quite aware this time round that mm-hmm. I was feeling guilty because... You'd had that I'd experience. had it before. It's quite interesting because I think around cancer diagnosis and treatment and, and then looking at, at you know how life follows after that there there are um griefs that we go through and we don't necessarily always think of it as that but it can be um grief around the the loss of what they call the assumptive world you know what you assumed was going to be up next in your life what you assumed your life was going to look like um you you can you know grieve the loss of you know the the physical effects and you know and that actually, a, for some people, quite a lot of the cancer experience is around grief. And I was looking into um, grief guilt in particular. And one of the theories around it, because I think with grief, there's lots of different theories. There's nothing that's cut and dried. Even the definitions change from one website to another. Um, so I think, you know, we can kind of work with theories and see what resonates with us. And if it doesn't, then throw it away. But is um, that when when we are out of control, so when something happens that we didn't have control over, such as a death or a diagnosis, that our brains are trying to make sense of it. And somehow, if we can make it be our responsibility, even though we know logically we didn't cause it, and if we feel a sense of guilt, we're still restoring a sense of order to the world. Whereas actually this um, being thrown into there's no order, 
there's you know th- th- there's chaos um and guilt is a way that we attach to something concrete um i was just wondering like if that how that felt as a theory for you i think it's all combined with um the emotions of anxiety as well and so i think they come up in a in a mixture but i think yes definitely the idea of being able to to not being able to control this you know anything and it's mm-hmm. the uncertainty that throws up all of the um emotions i think um and yes i think you try and uh latch on to any kind of emotion good or bad to try and gain a sense of control about it so how did you feel um about chemotherapy that um was actually probably even though i had surgery um that the the thought of chemotherapy um i related to like the sword of damocles which was literally just sort of placed over my head and i actually found that the most frightening um concept and my respect goes out to everybody that is living it and going through it because thankfully um my cancer diagnosis is very positive um but they wanted me to take a course of chemotherapy just to make sure nothing had spread and um it's quite comedy that they sort of say cuz i'm young uh, the first time i've been called young in a in a long time <laughs> that they thought i'd be able to cope well with the uh, with the chemo tablets and it would just to be sort of cross the t's and dot all the i's to make sure that i was in the best possible state going mm-hmm. forward however the uncertainty of not knowing when the side effects would kick in or what side effects you would have being quite a logical and practical person i found that uncertainty just mind-boggling and um i really found that very difficult um and in fact i lasted five and a half days and the side effects kicked in um and then i had to i was pulled off it because uh, the risks then outweighed the benefits um for me um but i found it absolutely terrifying and um and did you feel a sense of guilt around that or a guilt around not um cuz i i know some people kind of ex- experience that there's this vision of someone with cancer and there's someone who has lost their hair and has kind of these typical traits um and that sometimes when when you don't have that um that that can bring up its own senses of guilt as well well i think the biggest um sense of guilt and the biggest shock um of the feeling of guilt came was when i walked into the oncology clinic to uh to first get my sort of chemo uh tablets and sort of tests and and i saw people um that were obviously on far more intensive treatment than my than than i was going to be on and i felt so guilty that i only had stage 2 cancer and that my prognosis was good and that i wasn't terminal and i just felt and i almost felt like a fraud yeah. um because i wasn't i looked well everyone was really pleased with how i was kind of you know i had a, symptoms and and some issues but in comparison to others and i just felt like i shouldn't be there yeah um and that was really difficult because i then had you know feelings of guilt that i wasn't looking after myself or acknowledging mm-hmm. the fact that you know i did have stage 2 cancer and i did have major bowel surgery and that i have gone through all of this but 
then every time I sort of went in there and you saw other people that were in pain or more tired than me, then I felt guilty that I was then complaining about the issues I had because they weren't as serious as the yeah. other. And, and I do... That's f- a real ping pong. Of oh, a, yeah. <laughs> I think that's where you're at the, the guilt sandwich yeah. really comes into effect because you go one way and you can feel guilty and you go the other way and you can yeah. feel guilty and... It can, yeah, it can really mess with your mind. Yeah, and I did find that um, really tough going into uh, into the into the oncology clinic because I was constantly faced with protecting myself in terms of don't be hard on yourself for what you have gone through because it is still the worst thing you've gone through in your mm-hmm. life, and you can't compare to others. But then, so grateful that I I wasn't in a worse state. And it's that I found, and I never thought I would feel guilt for not um, having a worse cancer. I would say that that experience is quite a common one um, of feeling grateful and guilty at the exact same time. And I know one of our other guests, Mickey um, has felt that too, and she'll be joining us on the show a little bit later. But right now, we have um, Naveed coming into the studio. We've got Naveed in the studio. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, fine. Thank you. How are you? I'm really good. And um, can I ask, what was going on in your life when you were diagnosed? Okay, it was early 2016, just uh, New Year finished and uh, in January. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a lot of plan in my mind, you know. I lost uh, 20 kg weight in early 2016 and... Everything was going very good. You know, I was born with family. I have a lot of plan. My son going uh, GCSE, you know, exam. So and how many children do you have? I have four children. You have four children. Yes. Okay. Two sons and two daughters. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. So life is busy. Very busy. <laughs> and I was making planning, you know, to extend my business. And But uh, suddenly I feel my tummy, which was I reduced my weight, getting big, my foot getting swollen. I went to hospital. They took my chest x-ray, and then they found I have uh, eight centimeter water on my heart. Straightway, they referred me to St. Bart Hospital, and then the doctor told me, you have a tumor around your heart. My and that's life, an unusual place for a tumor, isn't it? That's what they told me. They said it's very, very rare. And uh, I'm shocked that time because my life completely changed in within 24 hours yeah. and uh, then they uh, did open heart surgery and um, life completely changed you know when I came after four weeks later from hospital three month bed rest after bed rest they start chemo mm-hmm. oral tablets and I could not tolerate twice they give me and then I've been hospitalized again twice they stopped my uh, treatment then they said you okay, but we keep eye on you every three months scan. Mm-hmm. So because what happened in the UK is not advanced treatment. Now they're giving, next week I'm going to see my consultant again, 
and they're taking advice from American doctors to give me uh, further treatment. Because um, there's very few people in the UK with your type of cancer, is that correct? Yes, my consultant told me she said there's only 450 patients in this condition. Right. And I am in 100 list, top 100 list, which is very rare. Yeah. I haven't met, uh, I met only one lady, yes, mm-hmm. uh, with this condition. And how old is your youngest? Uh, she's uh, seven, just three days ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you had really painted a picture um, of how it felt when we chatted before about um, her wanting to play with you and your feelings around that. First, when I came from open heart surgery, when I came home, she very close to me. She said, pick me up, yeah? And my wife said, no, he can't pick you up anymore because he's not feeling well. So the first guilt came in my mind that time, oh, I can't, I'm, I'm not a normal person anymore. My life is changed. So until today, even for her, my other son, when they need help from me, mm. I can't give them the as a father, I want to give them, you know. Yeah. I want to support them uh, in a lot of places. My daughter said, play with me. But, and sometimes she said to me, uh, which is very young, she said, oh, you're too old now. I said, yes, okay, I'm old now. You know, so that's why. And how did that feel afterwards when, when you were by yourself? Like how, how, when you feel that way, when you feel that sort of heaviness of, of guilt, like how how does that come I out? I tell you, you, be honest. I cried then alone. I don't have a word here to tell you something because that moment, you, you, my mind said do something, but my body said no. You can't do it right. because need a rest. You know, my suddenly I get fatigue, pain. You know, like a very. Uh, I'm get tired, you know. So I used to play with her. You know, a lot of time I had to help, you know. Mm-hmm. But after after that, I stayed in the bed a f- uh, few days. So my wife said, don't do it no anymore. Right. So obviously as a dad, as a friend, as a partner, I feel very upset, you know. Uh, I need to do a lot of things for them, you know. But uh, I can't do it. Because it's it's layered because those were all the things that you did before and and going, kind of going back, Danielle, to kind of what you said about wanting to protect the people that you love the most. Um, it really feels like you, you would like to keep them away from that, but it's, it's not, it's that sense of, um, again, these things are not in our control. The fatigue and, you know, needing to look after yourself in that way. Yeah, it's in, not in my control, but what I'm doing now, I'm, I learned a lot of things from this tumor. Mm-hmm. What I think this is maybe God give me time to spend with my family, you know. This is, uh, and uh, then I get tired, I, I get uh, isolated, you know, myself in yeah. the room. Because when I get tired, I get feel angry, but I don't show this anger, this tiredness to my children. Mm-hmm. And uh, but obviously, you feel by explaining to my uh, eldest son, 
and uh, they grow up now. I explain them very clearly, but uh, it's very hard to explain my two youngest daughter. You know. Yeah. And uh, uh, they want f- very hard to explain. You know, like as a father. Uh, and do you have other people that you can talk to that? Uh, about this uh, yeah. cancer? No, really. I just recently met uh, uh, last month first time uh, with Shine people, mm-hmm. Shine group. They are very supportive, you know. I met Carol uh, Nail, and uh, I was very, very excited when before I went and I came after that. And uh, at home, this is the, my, in my family, is my only wife who understand me, supportive. Because uh, I used to tell everybody, but they judge me, oh, you have a cancer this thinking why is alive you know it's supposed to be deathbed you know and uh, they ask me so many questions it's not deaf uh, I, I don't blame them it's very hard to explain them you know mm-hmm. uh, first you had a cancer and second you are suffering from very rare of cancer you know rare form of cancer I used to have a bunch of friends you know like uh, but now no more because uh, uh it's very hard to explain with them. You know, I don't expect anything from other people, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I visit, uh, visited uh, St. James Park, what I feel, I came in my family now. So meeting up with the Shine people. Yes. It, you know, for the for the friends that you've been unable to talk to, yeah. you've been able to reach out to a new group of people that I, can understand. I spoke to there, uh, plenty of people there. So they have the same feeling. Mm-hmm. Like they talk about their health. Uh, they said, "Don't worry when you feel crying, weeping. This is a normal. You are a human." End of the day. Because b- before that, I was feel shy. You know why I'm crying? Why I'm weeping? I'm maybe I, I'm a man. I need a uh, sp- strong. You know, but uh, they told me no is normal. You s- so I feel very relaxed. Oh, that's so good. Uh, yes. And and yeah, and I think it takes a lot of strength to identify emotions right yeah. it takes a lot of strength to um to acknowledge when you feel guilty or acknowledge um when you feel angry or feel upset or and to cry i think there's you know so actually i think that's an incredible testament to to you to be able to hold those feelings a lot of people try and push them down and compartmentalize them and they squeeze out in other weird ways um you know, and so to be able to kind of tackle them head on. Uh, what I tell you one thing: when I've been diagnosed, I make a promise with me. I won't get anger with my children or my family. You know, I want to change. So what? When I feel guilt, anything, I go to isolated myself. You know, like mm-hmm. I explain my wife. Uh, when I feel down, don't. In, don't say anything to me. Just leave me alone for a few hours or half an hour. When I feel better, I'll come to you again, you know. Okay. Because it's not you, no children, no. It's me. It's my right. cancer. My mood playing with me, you know. One minute I'm down, maybe one minute I'm up. I don't know. And uh, then I'm down, I feel really da- guilt, you know. Why me? You know, is a... Too young, you know, only 44 years old, and uh, even while I was talking yesterday with my wife, you know, a lot of things uh, 
my daughter said, take me to a shopping center. I said, I'm very tired, you know. And uh, then... So guilt has these these very sort of practical moments, like going shopping, like playing, like, you know, kind of the day-to-day kind of things that can get in the way. And then kind of big, bigger, almost existential guilt of, of yeah, the, the why me? Um, so it's... It's almost, I can't remember if it was you that said, really, for one word, guilt, it covers such a spectrum of of different of different feelings. Um, and I suppose in there sometimes is also mixed in with guilt can be shame as well. Um, and I um I watched Oprah Winfrey talking to Brene Brown about um about um shame and and I think it is quite there is crossover between the two and um and one of the things they said was that it it grows in silence it grows in secrecy and it grows in judgment so when we're feeling that that guilt when we're feeling um that pressure um the antidote to it is is empathy and sometimes um we won't have anyone else around to empathize at that particular moment um but that's when we can start to empathize with ourselves like if we can talk to ourselves the way we would if we were talking to somebody else um and uh, i always like advice from oprah uh, so <laughs> i i thought that that was it was quite a a powerful um, vision for when we are on our own, like, okay, what can we do? And while we might not be able to reach out right in that moment to get empathy from someone else, like, can we get it from ourselves? And then what you did with going to Shine, like, you got some, you were around people that understood. Yes. And that felt quite transformational for you. Yes, it's helped me a lot and... uh... I never, I don't know before Shine. You know, I went Macmillan. Mm-hmm. They referred me to, uh, from Macmillan to Shine, and I met, uh, met uh, all kind of people there. You know, who have a kidney, uh, brain tumors, and uh, very, very supportive. You know, like uh, now I was talking with my wife. Uh, I said I have uh, one if something to do in my life. You know, for them, for the Shine people. You know, volunteer for them. You know like we support them as well so it sounds like you really felt a sense of connection yes and i think that is yeah like talking about that it, it's something that comes around again and again like guilt feelings of guilt can get in the way of connecting but when you're connecting with other people that also understand that then it cuts through in quite a powerful way yes uh Let's see now what is going to happen, you know. Yeah, so you've got your appointment coming up this yeah. week? Yes, I'm going next uh, week, 13th of July. And uh, let's see what we're going to do, treatment or again what. Because um, I need a treatment now because I'm get very tired very quick. And, and um, suddenly, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe if I go home from here, I need to rest for a few hours. Okay. So... But I'm, I'm not scared. But I'm panic uh, because my consultant said is terrible flight first, you know. But once you get used to with chemo, because I I had twice uh, bad reaction, you know. 
So I have, uh, like she said, like, uh, uh, you scared a little bit, you know, what is going to happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm only worried for my children, nothing else. I'm a fighter person inside, you know. Mm-hmm. If I'm my own, I don't care for anything. It's interesting how we displace ourselves in this this situation as well. Like like you're really holding on like to you know how much you care for your family, and it was something that you echoed that you felt really protective of your sister, and your and your mom, and having to tell people afterwards. And I wonder, like in that, can you also hold on to their capacity or their want to look after you? I think it's it's difficult because you your your connections with your family you want to protect them so much from any kind of pain and and especially worry um because you can't control what's going on yourself they can't control it either and it's sort of and maybe it's a way of deflecting our control that we want to control their pain and their worry because we can't control um, our own, but is there, I think, a sense of responsibility that you hold on your shoulders that your illness has caused this pain and and worry for them, and you've put it on their shoulders, and and I think that's um, just a really sad thing that that you have to deal with on top of sort of all the emotions of of dealing with your own diagnosis. Yes, I want to add something here. Mm-hmm. Uh, same. My wife is always, uh, always stand with me, but I don't want to share a lot of things to her because I'm not, uh, you know, like focusing on the house at the moment, and she's doing everything, you know, and she's everything take care of me, you know, everywhere she appointment, everywhere she go with me, plus she's doing teacher training, you know, like uh, she just joined the job this year, so I want to keep my pressure on me, you know, not to them, because I know she's upset, but, you know, like, uh, I don't want to give her upset, but she's there, she's always thinking about me as well. So I told uh, one day uh, my son, I said, son, I tried my best for you in my life, but whenever I got chance again, I strike back again, you know. And he said, dad, don't worry, whatever you did, you did hard, you know. And uh, this is, I think, big present for me you know whatever he said this supporting me mm-hmm. and uh, this with me as long they with me but I tell you be honest when they outside the house my children like they're going to uni busy I'm happy always because I'm thinking they're not relying on me you know mm-hmm. if everybody relying on me then I get upset really you know down because if I'm down they're down as well now so uh, this credit is going to especially my wife, you know. And um, I think you need one friend, good friend, one friend is enough in your life. You don't need uh, 100 people or 200 people, one one person who understand you very better, you know. So... Because it's really important to refuel because it just sounds like so much pressure is taken on, you know, and you're holding not only the physical and the uncertainty, but also then holding everyone else's around uh, pain and reactions to that. Um, And and yeah, it's no wonder that guilt would 
creep out in the middle middle of that. Um, I think also not just from an emotional point of view, but from a practical point of view. My mum had to come and live with me for three months because I am single, I live on my own. And so I couldn't basically cope after surgery on my own because I couldn't, uh, I was recovering, I didn't have the strength, etc. And that, you know, it, you know, it's very disruptive. You know, um, you know, my mum had to leave her house for and come and stay with me. Um, you know, my sister had to come up to London to pick me up, and and it's those kind of practical level kind of things that also, not just on the emotional sense, but mm-hmm. you know, I've disrupted their lives as well because of my diagnosis, and and I think that also adds to not just worrying about the sort of stress that you've caused but but also on a practical level Mm. I've kind of like say you know like I've messed up everybody's year because you know it's all kind of really been not all been focused around me but you know this uh it was definitely a um an issue that none of us were expecting and you know didn't have to expect my mum was going to have to come and you know stay with me to, for three months and cook and clean and you know uh, that's an added thing that she's got to do when somebody who's not in the best of health themselves and from an outs because I think there's there's always the how you feel and then there's you know different perspective outside perspectives of that actually a lot of people um it's quite an honour to support someone going through that. And if it was the other way around, I know both of you would move hell and high water to support your family. So, you know, it's it's interesting that we take so much on ourselves when actually we would very freely give that help if it was the other way around. And I know that that's something that um, Mickey has also experienced with her family. And so Mickey's also going to join us in the studio. Hi, Mickey. It's so nice to have you with us. Hi, thank you for having me. And what was going on in your life when you were first diagnosed? So I was actually in a really good place when I first got diagnosed. I um, was just starting to try for a family with my husband. Um, I've been suffering for depression for about seven years and we'd finally got a handle on it. We'd just moved into a new house. We were trying for a family. I kind of landed myself in a really good role at work. So I was like starting to get a grip on Mm. adulthood, I suppose. (laughs) I was trying the whole adult thing anyway. (laughs) And how old are you? I'm 28. So I was, no, I'm not. I'm 27. I was 26 when I was diagnosed. (laughs) And when do you turn 28? I turn 28 in next May, so it's quite a while ago. (laughs) Because sometimes I think we say the age above to, like, mentally prepare for it coming up. I feel about 70, so I think I'm just adding on years anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so... One of the things that you mentioned to me about like the, those first pangs of guilt, and you you may have heard from yeah. Daniela a very similar yes. experience, that very first appointment. So can you tell me what that first appointment was like for you? Um, so I took my mum with me to my first appointment. The 
one where I got the diagnosis and um, my mum has actually been through breast cancer herself. Um, so she was waiting with me in the waiting room and I, I already kind of had a feeling that I might have had the news because they called someone in to double check when I had my scan and there was like, we're doing biopsies. So I I thought it was coming, but at the same time, I didn't think it was coming, which is why I took my mum along. And... Um, yeah, they told me the news and I remember just feeling, I didn't listen to most of what they said, I just felt a lot of guilt because my mum sort of said to me afterwards that the way in which they had told me was very much the same way it's she'd been told. Um, so essentially I just made her relive her diagnosis all over again. Um, we had to wait in a separate waiting room to everyone else. We went in the Macmillan nurse was talking to us and then we got taken to a lounge to talk about it afterwards so I just remember feeling kind of like a I've just made my mum go through everything that she's been through which I'm finding traumatic enough and she's having to go through it yet again mm-hmm. um, so yeah there was I, I regretted my choice but at the same time my mum like reassured me that it was good that she was there because she kind of she knew the drill she knew what yeah. questions to ask she knew what was going to happen um, but and she's got a lot of experience f- from her own experience, but also other members of your family. Yeah, so um, I have the BRCA1 gene, um, which has been passed down through my family. So we are very familiar with cancer in my family. Um, my mum had it, my nan had it twice, one in each breast. Um, my aunt has had it as well. Um, there's other types of cancers as well that we've had in our family. And I mean, for my mum, my nan and my aunt, they all got through it it was all they all got given the all clear afterwards touch wood um so yeah i've we've had as much as you can have a positive experience of cancer we've all had sort of fairly good outcomes um but i think this one was kind of the one where my family were like okay we're kind of sick of the whole chemo and surgery thing now if we could kind of have a break within our family that would be kind of nice and also kind of, them looking at someone younger. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think my mum kind of up. never wanted to go through it in her lifetime. And, and, you know, I know that she felt a lot of guilt about passing the gene on to me. It was kind of, she felt that it was her fault that I had cancer. Um, but I just reminded her that if she hadn't have passed me down the gene, then I wouldn't have been born. So she wouldn't have the perfect daughter. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good point. Exactly. <laughs> Any time you can stick in, I'm the perfect daughter, yeah. I think is a good way of going with it. Yeah. What, what did you make of your mother's guilt, though? Um, Could you, un- like, I, did you understand it? I mean, I understood it. it. Um, my... It was, it was perfectly logical um, because it's genetic that, you know, the parent feels some guilt. Um, the thing was, at the time that my mum had me, she didn't know that she had the gene. So at that time, it had only been my nan that had had breast cancer. So you wouldn't think that it was something that was being passed down. No. It's only kind of when you look at me and you go, OK, well, you've had an aunt that's had it, mum that's had it, and nan that's had it, that there's some kind of familial trait going on. Yeah. Um, so I I understood where she was coming from with it but she didn't know, she didn't willingly have me knowing that I had the gene. There's nothing that she could have done, no testing at that stage. And as well, when she had breast cancer, it was quite a while ago. So I think that their knowledge of the BRCA1 gene was a lot less than it is now. 
Um, so she probably wouldn't have had anywhere near as many options open to me. Um, that yeah, she wouldn't have had those. Right. So, in terms of her sense of responsibility, when very clearly, like she was not yeah. responsible in no. any way, shape, or form. No. And there was no way. Um, if if she told you that she was still feeling guilty, how how would you feel about that? I mean, I feel I feel bad that she has to kind of deal with those feelings, and um, I I don't think that with my mum it's something that she'll ever not feel that I've had to kind of go through it. Mm. I mean, um, from having my treatment, it means that there's a chance that I might lose my fertility. Um, I'm never going to be able to breastfeed um, as I had a double mastectomy because the risk of it coming back again in my lifetime was so high. So I think that the guilt doesn't get to go away for my mum. It's something that she's kind of going to have with her. Um, But I just try my best to remind her that it's just a random mutation. I've had the genetics that meant it was more likely, but it was just a random mutation. There's nothing that she ever could have done so and how does when you feel guilty have you ever felt guilty for her feeling guilty yes which starts a really nice kind of effect of she feels bad so I feel bad so she feels bad so I feel Mm -hmm. worse and then she feels worse so we just end (laughs) up going around in this cycle until one of us is like okay we should probably just stop and have a cup of tea and some cake and then (laughs) you know just let this whole situation blow over um because, yeah, we've we've kind of been... I, I have a very open relationship with my mum and we talk about our feelings a lot and vent to each other. And I think, you know, we've been talking to each other about how we feel and at the same time as that's good that we talk to each other, we can kind of end up in this spiral where she feels bad for me and then I feel bad for her because... I've always been kind of that person where other people's feelings are just as important, if not more important, than mine. Um, in fact, it was one of the reasons why I got sort of diagnosed with depression when I was quite young. It was because sort of in I've been brought up in my family of a, that it's other people's views and their feelings that are are important, and you kind of have to shelter people and protect them and look after them. So yeah, it was just. It's so needing help yourself is it's so and it's quite similar um, to um, Naveed in in that like when you're normally kind of the caregiver the the uh, caregiver can be a bit of a loaded yeah. word can't it but <laughs> but I mean like literally giver of care to yes. other people around you when you're the agony aunt when you're the person that other people come to with their problems. Um, it can feel really challenging to be on the other end of that equation. Yeah, I've I've always tried to kind of be the adult in my family and um, been that person that people can go to. I, I have been kind of like the, the agony aunt of a thing, like you can come around to mine and you can vent and I'm going to say it again, a cup of tea and a cake is always the answer. <laughs> but um, it was it was very, very strange and very hard to let go of that and to accept help. Um, it's not something that came very naturally to me. Do you feel guilt was what was getting in the way of that? Yeah, it was a, it's a, it was a case of I shouldn't be helping you. Uh, oh no, sorry, I should be helping you, not the other way round, because that's my job. That's what I've always done. 
Um, so having to then kind of take from people and yeah it was just a kind of it was a slow creeping up guilt especially as I got worse through my treatment Um, my chemotherapy was very intensive so just as I felt like I was coming to grips with the guilt another side effect would kick in Mm. and I would need more help. I mean, by the end of it, I couldn't drive. I could barely walk sometimes. My husband was having to put me in pyjamas and help me brush my teeth because sometimes my arms ate too much to lift them and things like that. And I never, ever imagined myself being that person. Um, So like you said earlier, kind of about the grief, I I had to kind of deal with grieving about the life that I should have had and the fact that... I should have kind of floated through life and never having to have anyone look after me because I was that independent woman that looked after myself. And how does that feel to say that? Like how in in talk how do, does it feel to talk about that? I have got quite good at talking. Um my family would definitely agree. <laughs> um because of all the counselling that I've been through, I've been through three lots of counselling. So I'm quite good now at picking up on my emotions and being able to talk through them. Um, the hardest thing, like Naveed said, is talking to your family about yeah. it. So I found that sort of, it's one thing talking to people that get it and understand and have been through cancer. But when it's when you're talking about it to your relatives, it's a whole different thing. And I think, again, it's because of that you want to protect them. You don't want them to feel the guilt for the guilt that you feel and start that whole spiral going off again. So it's, it's yeah, it's easy to talk about in some situations, but with my family, it's something that I think that they're aware of, but they, they don't know quite how badly I felt it, particularly towards the end of my treatment, where it, I was getting frustrated about the fact that I couldn't do anything. And I think they just saw that frustration and that anger of the fact that, like, no, I want to get myself up to the bedroom. Mm. No, I'm going to kind of try and cook myself a meal. And knowing that it was, like, never feasible. I think that's it, that's where, like, real guilt can really get in the way of us looking after ourselves because we can sometimes push too hard um, and sometimes, or sometimes not ask for the help that we need. You know, if somebody isn't around, it's like, well, I guess I'll skip a meal or I'll, you know, like it can very easily slip into us not taking the. So one of the things that you noticed when you were experiencing guilt was the frustration and anger. Was there any other ways that it kind of came up or manifested or that you're like, oh, that's that's what I'm feeling? Yeah, I think that I think that a lot of it was kind of like you said about the the behaviour where you are doing things that you know aren't necessarily the best for you just because you're trying to protect other people. Um, So when I was being a bit of a martyr, I suppose, and kind of saying, like, no, I'm okay. you go out with your friends, I'll be fine at home by myself, and then I'd spend about an hour crying because I don't have the energy to get up to go to the toilet. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm in, like, a dilemma, and I was getting sort of angry and frustrated at the situation. I was getting angry and frustrated with myself and not saying, no, can you not sort of go out tonight? I'm not feeling up to kind of being home alone by myself. And, yeah, there was a, there was a, 
a lot of kind of sadness about the fact that it's something that I should be able to do sort of as a as a 27 year old I should be able to get up and do things and you know flicking through Instagram and seeing all of my friends out at the pub and it's a I I shouldn't be sat at home feeling guilty for asking for help right because I don't get to live that life and and guilt you know this it's kind of mentioned before guilt and sort of um shame can really ping pong off each other as well can't they and um I was looking into different definitions of um how how we separate them out and we separate them out more in western culture but I hear in other parts of the world they're not such different things um so you know again people would have different different feelings about that but that when guilt sort of settles in so guilt is whether or not something's a perceived responsibility so um so just taking for example like your mom like clearly not her responsibility or any of us not our you know we didn't cause our cancer um you know something's out of control and we feel guilt about this perceived responsibility that we have um but shame comes from then the sort of um it sits quite chronically and instead of i think i made a mistake it's i am a mistake so it's like we start to internalize that feeling of maybe not being good enough or anything like that and you know and that's really sometimes really quite hard to to sit with those feelings they're super uncomfortable um i know when brene brown was talking about them she was saying um, no one wants to talk about it um but sometimes that can really link into depression which i know you've had experience with um and so i just wondered like if you had a way that you look at the difference between guilt and shame i think that the the shame for me kind of came out as embarrassment um I got embarrassed about asking for the amount of help that I needed and to kind of be in the situation that I was. I felt that I should have been those people that you feel, that you kind of see that are kind of beasting their way through their treatment Mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the strong warrior image that you see a lot of. And I think that a lot, what worked for me was just kind of sitting with my emotions a little bit. Um, I'd take that time and that space that I got a lot of during my treatment um, and just look at what I was feeling on the surface and work out how that filtered down. Mm. Um, so for me, a, a lot of the the guilt came out, as I said, in frustration and anger. And I suppose the shame itself was... and. The, the embarrassment came out as the martyr-type behaviour mm. um, in that, you know, when I when I felt guilty, I would act out and lash out, and when I felt ashamed, I would, I would go inwards. Inwards. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense of sort of guilt being around sort of external behaviors responsibilities yeah. and shame is yeah this very inward kind of we get we then go ahead and beat ourselves up yeah and i think with with guilt you kind of tend to push other people away um mm. 
it tends to be a thing of you're you're wanting to protect other people and you know because you don't feel worthy of being in their company or you don't feel that you want to be that burden to them so you end up pushing them away whereas when you kind of feel the the shame like you say it's something that you identify in yourself so you that's kind of beating yourself up rather mm. than beating up the people around you I, I love those three things as as kind of indicators of how you're feeling. So we've got the first one, which was you said the sort of sense of worthiness, um, and the second one was the pushing other people pushing away, other people away, and then the third one was beating yourself beating up and internalizing, internalizing. Yeah, those are really and Naveen, how did how. Do you relate to any of those, like kind of the feelings of worthiness? Um, do you ever feel sort of unworthy of of people helping, or or is it more for you that um, you kind of beat up on yourself or push other people away? Like, would you say? Like, uh, I don't I don't know how to say like, but in Asian, which community I belong from, yeah, is very mixed up. You know, which community I belong from, so. First, when I was diagnosed, yeah, they instant they was helping me. They was giving me lot of other things. So what I realize, I want to give to my children, special environment, you know, good healthy environment. So I pushed them out. Believe me, uh, every single person. I said no. I need my children, my wife alone, mm-hmm. who's suffering with these things. And um, that moment. Uh, only she was there, my wife and my son, you know. And I, I remember when I had opened Arsaji, my two sons came, they start weeping, you know, when they looked at me. I lost two stone in the hospital as well. So you have to in your life sometime uh, for yourself. Uh, you have to, uh, what I believe, uh, I get upset from cancer, but it, it make me really fighter, you know, in my life which step I couldn't take in my whole 20 years life, I take in one year t- time. Mm. I, I take very, very bold step in my life. And I'm, I think this is, I'm thinking, sometimes I, when I sit alone, what I realize, uh, we don't judge as a human. We are a human end of the day. Sometime God, whatever, give us, take from us, but give us something, other hand. You know, we have to... I discovered myself in this uh, uh, cancer, who I am, what I need, how I'm going to spend my life, what I'm going to do with my children. I'm here or there. I'm not going to live 100 years or 200 years. Life is is going to be end one day. But like she said, uh, guilt and shame. I'm very close to with my wife. But when uh, I opened heart surgery, even I was on chemo, I couldn't take my lift in my hand, yeah. She was giving me shower, I feel shy, shying. Yeah. It's not supposed to be shying with wife, but wh- why, like what she was talking, I feel uh, she's a self-made girl, woman, yeah. I'm same like me, I'm very energetic, I'm self-made mm-hmm. man. So when you are a self-made, you don't rely on anybody. And uh, sometimes I have a fatigue, I get tired. Uh, like my wife is going to shopping, and I need a glass of water, I don't ask for my son, you know. I I feel shame to ask. Why? Yeah. I'm too young to do this. I'm, no, I'm not going to ask. Still, I'm taking on medication. I go downstairs myself. I eat. Why? I don't allow anybody to do this for me. Why? This is, I feel shame. 
You know, like what I learn, if I push me more, I do more then. If I say I'm not doing, so I keep pushing me, you know. So it's, it's such a fine balance, isn't it? Because, you know, there there is sometimes the strides that you can make and clarity of purpose that you can find. Um, and and sometimes it's good to have a bit of a challenge to see what you can do. And then at other times, like you said, it can knock you out for days. And it's like if if guilt and shame can motivate, but sometimes they're they're inaccurate motivators, aren't they? Yeah. They can they can push you maybe a bit beyond. And it's like figuring out how to check in with those emotions and and then still make the decisions that will be beneficial for you. Because if you're doing good, then your families, because they're so concerned about you, are going to feel better. And the ping pong can go the other way around yeah. as well, right? Yeah. So, you know, that sometimes you getting that rest or getting that help, can, they can then feel like, oh, I helped. Nice, you know, and they can see that you feel a bit more relaxed and then they come in, they're chilled out and then you're a bit more relaxed and it can it can just as much as it can spiral down, it can build back up as well. But yeah, they can they can motivate you. And you motivate them sometimes. What uh, people, my son said sometimes, Dad, if you can do this, why we can't do it? We learn from you. Mm. So sometimes I'm down. I'm from inside. I'm down. Like after dinner, my both son said, "Dad, you want to watch the movie?" But I don't watch movie because I can't sit in the sofa. So I need a bed. I said, "Okay, I don't refuse them because I can't give them luxury, but I still give them good time." You know. Yeah. So they said, "You." My wife said, "Oh, you have a pain in your back." I said, "No, I'm okay, but I'm today. I'm hide telling her I'm hiding. You know." Because I have a pain, I need a bed rest like this, you know, all the time. So, this is I'm doing uh, guilt, you know, like I can't give them provide anything as I can give them good time, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so, guilt, shame. But I think this is the life, uh, you know, like uh, when we do, you know, like push myself. Mm -hmm. She can she pushing what. I learn, then I have guilt come when I feel down, uh, fatigue. It won't take me lower down, you know, like I'm in the guilt. Mm -hmm. Still better than something we do bad, you know. I think that's it. I think sometimes you feel, even though you might have pushed yourself too far, you still don't regret what you've done in pushing yourself too far because it has alleviated some of that guilt. It's right. the case of, I have looked after my family. I mean, I went with my sister and five nephews to Legoland which I think you can imagine how chaotic it was and it was on one of the hottest days this year no so <laughs> which when you're like just finished chemo is probably one of the worst things that you could ever do I spent the whole day hopping from shade to shade underneath the trees um and I really pushed myself that day um I mean, by the end of it, I was struggling to get up from the floor and sitting down. Yeah. And I got home and I was absolutely whacked out. But the alleviation of some of that guilt made it so worthwhile. And knowing that you kind of are still making memories with your family and you're yes. giving them the best times that you have. Uh, because, you know, with cancer, no matter how good your prognosis might be, I think you still have that thing in the back of your mind of, uh, well, I've still got to make the most of it because we don't know how sort of long we have left and 
yeah, we've got to, it's, we've got to look after our family, but also it's looking after ourselves and looking after our family. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, if you can turn that framework that in order to look after them, if their job is looking after you, then you have to look yeah. after you. Yeah. 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 Yes. And it's not easy, <laughs> but that's that's kind of like, in a way, that's how you can also show love for them. And I think that that is also maybe a way that empathy can really um, uh, start to uh, diffuse maybe feelings of guilt and shame, because I don't think we ever get rid of them, right? Like yeah. I don't think that, that there's a, a magic way of looking at it and it goes away, but I think sometimes the intensity of it can be reduced and the um, the sense of feeling alone with it. So we're all nice and cosy here together in the studio. Um, and I really wanted to find out from you what the experience has been like hearing other people talk about guilt. And if at any point you were like, oh, I totally get that. Or, oh, I really wish I could take that guilt away for, for somebody else. Like, just just curious how how the experience has been for you. Let's start with you, Daniela. As I've been sort of listening to to the other people's experiences, it's so reassuring and comforting that you don't feel alone in this and that it's normal. Um, Because when you're sort of dealing with this, because a lot of the time you're dealing with it on your own, you're not sure whether or not you should have should be feeling this if the others are feeling this if if this is acceptable are you going mad and actually just to be able to hear that others and i can relate to everybody's situation is different but you can relate to sort of the how it um corresponds with what's going in your life that it's so reassuring and that's part of the reason why i wanted to come today is because a lot of this does create so much isolation in yourself and um, I haven't met many other people that have a cancer, and this is one of my first sort of events. And I really wanted to join Giant and be part of this because it helps one with the isolation, but also that you just feel that you're not alone yeah. in this. Yeah, and how's this experience been for you today, hearing about other people also feeling those those it, feelings of guilt? It's very good, you know, but uh, same what she said, uh, you don't feel your, yourself alone. And uh, is no, I don't feeling any more guilt. Like I'm feeling like a normal person, you know. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's not in my hand. Right. I can't do anything about it, you know. Yeah. Something when in your hand, that's worrying, you know. But this is not in my hand anymore. This is I learned today. Mm. This is uh, not in my hand. So be positive, and just uh, wait for your time, and think positive. And how has it been for you? I think for me it's been quite kind of interesting to hear how people that have had such different experiences of cancer, um, sort of different treatments and stuff like that, still have very similar feelings. I really didn't expect that. I kind of thought that you'd hear completely different stories, but all of it really boiled down to the exact same things and emotions. Mm. Um, So I think for me that's been kind of good to hear, to know that it's... I'm not kind of restricted in the group of people that I could reach out to, that I could reach out to anyone that has really been affected by cancer and chances are they'll understand what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, I feel the same, that I didn't... I've sort of tried to sort of reach out to people that had had bowel cancer because... One, because they'd understand some of my symptoms, but actually, emotionally, I don't think that boundary... There are any boundaries with, with that. The only other thing that I've sort of picked up on 
is we're so all so hard on ourselves. Mm. And actually, I'm so going through counselling um, at the moment. And one of the things that he's sort of saying to me is that you need to be kind to yourself. And and I'm a bit like, really? You know, I, I kind of think that I am. But actually, everything that I talk to him about he's almost so shocked that he's like, do you realise how hard you're being on yourself? And you wouldn't be this hard if you were speaking to somebody else in your situation, if you were a friend comforting them. But all of our experiences, none, none of us asked for this. None of us were expecting this. You know, everybody who deals with cancer is really hard. And we seem to be the harshest people mm. ourselves to ourselves. And that's really sad in a way that um we put that so much like on our shoulders like, yeah. don't we on top of dealing with our diagnosis <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? it's like could you could you stick any more on top of that <laughs> thank you so much for being willing to share because i know that this you know obviously it goes sometimes to the right to the core of our being and um it's n- not always easy to talk about but there is yeah, finding either that empathy within yourself or, you know, reaching out to someone else. And someone said that um, when we are in struggle, um, the two most powerful words to hear are me too. And when someone understands and when someone gets it, there is a, a lightness that can come from that. And that's what, you know, we're doing at Shine is really creating that community where you can come in and you can share those things. And, and yeah, it feels normal. It's right? normal, very normal. It feels normal, yeah. So that's where we're going to leave it today. Um, you know, Shine has um, closed Facebook groups, so not everyone in your life has to see what you're posting. Um, you can go there. Um, if you haven't heard of Shine Cancer Support, you can go to the website, um, shinecancersupport.org. Until next time, let's all say bye. Bye. <laughs>